Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, welcome to the 394th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Josh Baszler and Robert Jones. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Warren Kaplan. And today we are talking about Tech Scouts. We're talking about our live show that's coming up, catching up on life, and uh, just, uh, you know, our general BS sessions. Yeah, just shooting it. We've been doing this show for 394 episodes. This is the first time it's occurred to me that there's a pun of like just, just shooting, shooting the shit. The shit. Just shoot shit. Yeah. Just shoot shit. That's the name of our show. Um, yeah. I had, uh, you know, on our last episode, I talked a little bit about Israel and how I appreciated some people writing me things and very predictable that that triggered more people to write me things. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. And I sent you that one message from Tamir Alferez. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really nice. And he said, I just wrapped up listening to your last episode on Just Shoot It. I want to express my sympathy for the situation in Israel and extend my heartfelt wishes for peace and love from Syria, which I thought was so cool because, you know, Syria uh, borders Israel and there there has Very been cool. some beef in the past. Um, so it was cool listening to it. And he was, he, he wrote we kind of were writing back and forth and he he said i share your hope for a future where the region can find peace and happiness much like the positive impact your podcast has on its listeners and i said Mm. about the dumbest (laughs) thing you could say which is totally yeah if we all shot films instead of weapons things would be much more pleasant and you know look you get a pass it's fine (laughs) you don't need to be cool all the time um, but, you know, I think you and I have struggled against just shoot it sounding like a gun podcast for, for quite a long time. Sure, that's true. That is, that is a thing we've been trying to deal with. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. I feel like we just recently got like a rash of really thoughtful uh, emails from filmmakers who just finished like big milestones. Like I, I feel like a couple features. We got a couple emails all at once that were like, hey, thank you. I made my feature while listening to your show and you really helped me out. Right. Those, those usually are like, hello, Max and Lauren. I love your <laughs> yeah. podcast and it helped me figure out how to make my feature. Please have me on your podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, these were real listeners. So shout out. Thanks guys. But yeah, no, it, it's awesome to hear from people. And we did hear from someone recently that just said that they enjoy these Matt and Lauren episodes. So sorry, mm-hmm. there's no guest. 
Um, it's funny. I'm in you know Atlanta right now on a job, and I was like, should I bring one of the? Should I bring the line producer <laughs> into my hotel room to record with me, or the DP? And then I was like, no, Matt and I are just too selfish for that type of thing. When you're on the job and it's like we're trying to squeeze an episode in here or there, we don't need to overcomplicate it. Every once in a while, we'll do a guest episode while one of us is traveling, and it's just an extra layer of stress we don't need. Yeah. You will notice, though, that I sound normal because I've been <laughs> bringing my freaking gigantic setup with me everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, You sound good. I have yeah. the Zoom. I have the mic, but you know our mics are kind of big, and I have the pop filter, and I have the mic stand. And then the adapter that lets mm-hmm. you put the mic on the mic stand and these crazy USB cables. And wait, do you have a mixer too, or are you adapting? To yeah, I have the Zoom USB cable. H6. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we should have just bought yes the USB mics, dude. When USB we started this podcast nine years ago, we were in person and we had a big mixer. People would all come to my house. Uh, I I have thanks to all of our patrons a very nice mixer sitting next to me that has. Eight discrete channels yes, that we bought literally right before the pandemic. And I am the only person who's ever used it. Um, so speaking of Patreon, patreon.com slash pod is the place where you can go to support us and our show. Keep our editor Noah uh, aboard and cutting this awesome show for us. We cannot do the show without it. Uh, and also, Patreon is the place where you can get perks like access to our live show which is my segue into us talking about our live show. We changed the date of our live show. It's the 25th, October 25th now. We had to change the date of our show, but uh, we're still excited. Uh, It seems we feel really bad for a few people that kind of messed up their entire lives in order to attend our show on the 18th and can't attend on the 25th. And we're sorry. And if you email us and yell at us, maybe we'll watch your reel or something. <laughs> we'll carry it around with us all day. That's yeah, for sure. It will depress us and yeah, Matt and I will feel bad yeah. about it. So, but we're super excited. We're still doing it at Sawhorse, our same place. We're uh, sponsored by Fresh Brothers Pizza. I don't know if we were last time we talked about this, but there's going to be free food. Uh, we're sponsored by Black Magic. We're giving away a camera. We're giving away licenses, the studio licenses for DaVinci Resolve, which are, by the way, like in perpetuity. So you don't have to like, it's mm-hmm. not like a subscription or anything. And uh, you get amazing, amazing features, the noise reduction stuff, um, like all this cool fusion stuff. Anyway, it, it's cool. I don't want to waste your time, but Resolve is, uh, is freaking awesome. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Well, so Oren, you're in Atlanta, which is the reason why we had to reschedule. Yes. And I thought, you know, it is kind of an interesting way to filter uh, the conversation, right? Because um, there was a period of time when neither of us were traveling a ton. And then I, I, you know, before the pandemic, I was out of town at least. I mean, you went to Russia. At least every other month. I did go to Russia, but also like Colorado a bunch of times. We were all over the place, you know, I, I feel like. And have since settled, mellowed out a little bit, which is very nice. But I feel like, Warren, you were out of town a ton. It's been, frankly, it's been a challenge to record the show. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I'm now trying to make it detail that is very important to me when I take a job is for it to be in LA. And I, I think we've talked about this mm-hmm. in the past, but with kids and everything, it's just like really hard to leave town. It's like, it, not only is it like super hard on my wife, but when I come back, I feel so guilty. I feel like I have to do all the kid stuff and give her a break. But people are like, you're back in town. Like, can you write this up or come and meet this or do this thing or edit that thing? And so it's just like exhausting. And um, the time change is, I, I'm like the only person with this problem that can't handle time changes. But, uh, you know, I, I worked on this Pinterest thing a few months ago and, um, I worked with a lot of executives from Pinterest and I was talking to them about traveling because some of them go to conferences all around mm-hmm. the world. And I didn't realize like how ubiquitous these like, um, like the ambient use, like the, basically like I fly somewhere, I take this drug and then I wake up the next morning rested <laughs> and I've never in my life done that. There's a great, uh, Amy Schumer article kind of before she really was a superstar mm-hmm. about getting addicted addicted to Ambien and um, depending on where you are in the world it's not always legal and sometimes if it's illegal it can be very illegal and so um, yeah she had some real real legal problems (laughs) with with an Ambien addiction you know oh wow Uh, well that's yeah I always I have kind of an addictive personality you know I've I've aired my dirty laundry on this podcast about my video game addiction uh mm-hmm. that I, I'm, I'm i've been clean now for like two and a half years long, long since recovered yeah. yeah two and a half years i think so or that's that's fewer years than i thought has it been longer than that when did i i think so i started playing it when my daughter was born <laughs> she's seven okay maybe it was more years ago than that anyway um but so i'm not doing ambient but i got these like melatonin pills just like you know over the counter stuff mm-hmm. And yesterday was the first time I took it. You take it like 30 minutes before you go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I think it worked. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I find melatonin to be the thing that really helps me with jet lag. 
Um, but you do have to be careful because you should not mix it with alcohol. What? Come on. Which is most of the most of the time, it's not a big deal. But like on a travel job, client dinners. And Wait, things what like if that, I had two drinks and then take it? You can't mix melatonin with alcohol. Ah, I, it seems like you can't mix it, anything with bottle, alcohol. It says it's look, melatonin is um is not a drug in the same way that like aspirin is a drug right. or Ambien. Um, so I don't know. Look, I'm no doctor, but it says on the bottle that you're not supposed to mix them. Look, Google said both melatonin and alcohol affect the central nervous system, leading to drowsiness and impaired cognitive functioning. Combining the two can amplify these effects and increase the risk of accidents or injury. Mixing melatonin and alcohol may also lead to increased symptoms of depression and anxiety. <gasps> that's what I was worried about. Uh, oh, that's what, what I was bummer. worried about. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, okay, well, I guess I'll have less drinks tonight. Than, uh, you know, when I'm traveling with other people and they're sure. paying for the drinks, that's when I do most of my drinking. So anyhow, it worked for me. I recommend it. Uh, but I, I don't recommend it. Actually, I don't want to recommend drugs on the podcast, but Melit- my experience well, it, has been It's a decent. supplement. It's not, it's, it's not the same as a, as a proper drug. Yeah, it's an, it's like, it's a yeah, supplement. Literally, I just bought it on the shelf, like next to where you'd buy like vitamin C. But yeah, so I'm in Atlanta and I had a tech scout today. Um, and I did something which it's, it's so obvious. I almost feel weird talking about it on the podcast because everyone will be like, yeah, how else would you do it? Mm-hmm. But um, I just flew in last night. And so today is Tuesday and we scout, do their t- tech scout today. Tomorrow we do like fittings and then Thursday we shoot mm-hmm. and Friday I fly back. So this is the first time I've actually been to Atlanta. So we found the location remotely. I had oh, the, the yeah. tech scout, the location scout showed, sent me a bunch of links of places. We picked five houses mm-hmm. and we just spent a day. He went to each house and put me on FaceTime and we looked at, or it was zoom actually. And we looked at each house and then we chose one based on that scout, like an in-person remote scout. And then, so today was the first time I was in the place and I told my producer what, what usually happens is you have this tech scout and I'm sure you can relate and you know, you go there and it's like you and your DP and your production designer and your producer and your first AD and your gaffer and your key grip and a UPM and like a few PAs and you know, a location person. And you go in there, you say hi to everyone. You learn everyone's name. That takes 15 minutes. You grab a coffee, whatever it is, mm-hmm. a snack. And then the AD's like, Hey, we got to get going. We have a hard out in one hour. Cause the homeowner is like literally standing here yeah. staring at us and they yeah. go, um, yeah. okay, so what's the first shot? And you're like, uh, well, um, so in, in my boards, it's like over here, but like now that I'm in the mm-hmm. space, this looks a little different. And it's just so uncomfortable because everyone is looking at you trying to be definitive mm-hmm. and directorial, which by that I just mean like decisive, I guess, like knowing what you're doing. Um, yeah, because there are plenty of people there who everyone there wants to do a good job. They take pride in their work. Um, but the further you are from the client, the more direct you need to be basically. Like a, like the gaffer is just like looking to make a shopping list. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Make sure that their team is covered. Make sure that all of the bits and bobs are are in line basically and they're not especially worried about whether or not the joke is going to land if you put the camera here versus there they care they care very much but it's not their purview they care like if we want a light outside the window to make sure there's a place to put a light stand outside the window and run power to it and all that stuff and does it look good yeah right but like yeah um and so 
tell me if you've ever done this. Cause again, it's beyond obvious, but I told my producer, he was like, yeah, the tech scout's going to be at nine. I was like, can you do this for me? And, and it's, we're only scouting one location, one house. So it makes it easier. Mm-hmm. I was like nine DP and Oren, 10 mm-hmm. production designer and Oren, 11 mm-hmm. rest of the crew comes. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's, I showed you, we did like a previs animatic and the reason we even had time to do that and figure it out. And yeah. actually what I showed you is different than what was in my boards. Cause in my boards, I was going to mm-hmm. shoot a different part of the house for the entrance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you see it and you're like, yeah. oh, or, or an idea comes up or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then not only no, I love do that. My, I get to talk to the DP about the shots, but he gets to be involved in the production design, the art stuff, which is really important because mm-hmm. He needs to know like what is shootable and what's not and directions and stuff. And then when we all split up, I can talk little details as a production designer and he goes, talks to gaffer and mm-hmm. key grip mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they are getting there. Cause usually what happens is we're all moving at the same time and he's trying, he's talking to the gaffer and the key grip while I'm talking to art people and the AD is like, how long is this going to take? And you know, so this mm-hmm. was just, mm-hmm. it was just so pleasant to split it up. What's great about that is that you set expectations for what you need and it's funny because you're reminding me of my last tech scout was really fraught because I had really sold photo boards as the guiding principle for this shoot specifically because did you take the photos in the location? I took the photos in the location and we also like, matched our lens size and distance like used artemis or something um no we brought in a camera with the same size sensor and like approximate oh, like, like a dslr or something. like a dslr exactly but the reason that we did it is because it was such that we really needed to be specific about what was happening in the background of everything mm. because um it was a lot of different products basically rather than just one so you we need to know how much of this wall are we going to see which you always need but it had real tangible costs in terms of printing skinning and all of that stuff right am i allowed to ask which job this was for uh it was for yeah you can say it was for the reddit job basically we were doing all sorts of um like just tons of propage basically like our art team was huge but I had not done a good job of outline. I was like, oh, this is really important and I really need time. I did not say how much time, etc. And so I was constantly running into this issue where whatever location I was at, I was like, really, I needed to like get in there and get creative and like shoot the boards right. And it was just me and one other person. And I just, you know, um, just didn't structure the boundary, the guardrails for what I needed. And so... <laughs> These boards were like functional for me, but you couldn't show them to client Mm -hmm. and we'd foregone having board artists so that we could put the money elsewhere, whatever. And I was just like, ah, dang, boy, did I mess this up? Um, just because I didn't outline how much time it was really going to take to do that stuff. Right. Yeah, no. And it's, it's stressful. And like something I try to tell, you know, you and I work with, I mean, you, you, we work with all sorts of people. The thing that I like try to bring up with like agency and client people. And I mean, it it really, really applies to commercials because you're serving so many different, um, people, Mm -hmm. but even in narrative stuff and is probably TV, I assume is similar is like there, 
like to me, part of filmmaking is taking a camera and like figuring out where to put it and then discovering something better, you know? Like mm-hmm. you hear about mm-hmm. Michael Bay who does these like $200 million movies being super opportunistic, you know, saying like, we just mm-hmm. spent four hours setting this shot up. Let's turn around. The sun looks better in that direction. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when you're doing photo boards for yourself and you probably scouted like four different locations and then did photo boards at each mm-hmm. one. So you're like not giving mm-hmm. it like you're all, you know, you're like maybe from here, maybe mm-hmm. from here, maybe from here. Oh, that would be a little better, but we didn't get that shot. Or your DP is not available or they are available and they're kind of coming out to do you a favor. And yeah. Like, oh, or the furniture is just for this configured or... totally different than it will be when you're shooting. Yeah. So yeah. it's like you have these approximations and then people like start trying to lock you into that. Like, well, the photo boards show this, so you can't show that. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, it just, I don't know. It, it just today like brought me back to like, hey, how nice is it if just the DP and I go and look at a location and say like, mm-hmm. hey, there's cool, a cool handrail on the staircase. Why don't we shoot through it? You know, mm-hmm. not that we're doing that. Or even like to to explore that and be like, you know what? That's not right. And there's not like six guys who are like, oh, shoot, hold on. Does anyone have an eraser? <laughs> right. You know, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. cancel that. Okay. You know, like everyone, which is a product of their efficiency and their commitment and their craft. But to my point before, if you don't carve that out and communicate your needs, um, then then it gets lost. Right. You don't get, you can't protect that part of the process. Do you think, how important do you think is a tech scout for a shoot? Like, do you think you could, have you ever had a shoot where you couldn't make the tech scout? Yeah. You know, I am where I I couldn't make the tech Mm -hmm. scout. (sighs) Boy. Or is there just no, there's there no point to have a tech scout without the director there? I think there's kind of no point. Um, I mean, doesn't, I mean, I guess like kind of the grips might want to know. If they needed to get wall spreaders, yeah. right? Or what the power situation is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a circumstance where I could imagine producers being like, okay, well then we'll, if you can't make the tech scout, then we won't have one and we'll save those rates basically. Right. Because people then, usually, do they usually get paid a full day rate or like a half day rate? How does it work? Um, yeah, it kind of depends. I think uh, I always advocate for a full day because they're shopping the second half of the day they're they've got stuff to, it's not like they like leave yeah. after the it's not like they can take another job the pool on that day and they can't take another job which is the other that's the main guiding principle for me like a half day you know i don't know um not my favorite uh but so so yeah so i think like it's kind of an all or nothing thing but i think the more that you prep and communicate and um the further in your career you get the less likely that that happens you know like i can remember being like hearing snide remarks from crew members that are like well if we would have been on the tech scout we would have known to get these bulbs or whatever mm-hmm. you know um but that's kind of been a long time because i just i've been lucky i guess basically yeah or it's been so chaotic that like that's the least of our worries you know <laughs> that's the other side like if there's no tech scout that tends to be an indicator of like bigger fish to fry Totally. Yeah. I think some of like the best shot things and the best kind of um, most interesting angles come from when you really get to like live in a space, you know, for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. When I was um, at Disney, we built our own set for this like high school detention room. And mm-hmm. I remember before 
I made my shot list. I just like went and like sat on the set by myself, you know, and just kind of looked around and like thought about it. And I was like, this yeah, is, this is amazing. <laughs> you know, just being by myself yeah, it's here incredible. and like, yeah, now I'm making a yeah, list of thinking about yeah, my favorite thing. So when the DP comes or the d- production designer comes, I can be like, what do you think of this angle? Or do you think it's easier to do this or this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but so often we're just yeah. thrust into these locations and just expected to know exactly what to do. And, and there's a, an element of performance to, to like leading most a of tech scout. Yeah. Leading a team. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it brings to mind, um, there's this YouTube channel that I've endorsed before called in-depth cine that, you know, is relatively, uh, technical, but they had a video essay just recently that compares um, Greta Gerwig's approach on three different films, Nights and Weekends, mm. um, uh, Lady Bird, and Barbie, right? So $15,000, $10 million, a kajillion dollars. And like how she sliced and diced it. Nights and Weekends is she co-directs with Joe Swanberg, who is also her co-star. Okay. And, you know, it's like South by Southwest... 2002 mumblecore dvx 100 101 love it but so they talk about like the way that they would shoot it the dp on some panel or some in some interview explained basically because they would shoot it they shot it over the course of 18 months so just kind of when they were in each other's lives they could do it and it was about characters who were um dating long distance so the um shooting in that way kind of lent itself to the um the aesthetic of the film but so the dp they'd all meet up together they kind of talk about the scene a little bit the two actor directors would go get coffee and then the dp would light the scene with kind of just a rough understanding of where they were going to be because it was all going to be improvised anyway right like lighting 360 kind of yeah essentially right and and like i think the dp was the whole crew like i said fifteen thousand dollar budget so like when we say lighting 360, we mean like adjusting the blinds and blasting one light into the ceiling or something. Yeah. You know, we're talking about luminance or as much as we are style. Um, right. And just, and but in case you don't, you don't know, but we mean like you can turn around 360 degrees in a room and point the camera in any direction. Right, right. Which is important because if you don't know where your actors are going to be, then it's hard for you to know what your shots are going to be and therefore how a stand might interfere with trying to get the shot that you need. You know, Ooh, I just had an idea. Hmm. We should invent like floor lamps and plants, floor plants, house plants Mm -hmm. that are like combo stands that have like, you know, some stand that comes out of the top of them that you can put a light or a reflector on. Or you want like a sheath. You want to be able to cover a combo stand with a plant that like wraps around it basically. Yeah, I guess that can be like a a felt plant that you just wrap around. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then you can shoot, yeah. Just get like the tallest things you put in a room and build, Mm -hmm. make them into stands. That's how you light. There's an awful lot of monsteras in this scene, (laughs) Warren. Um, but so, uh, I was thinking about that approach a lot, um, because it's, it's how we both started as well, right? Like kind of in different worlds. Yeah. I imagine it's everyone started like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think of a certain age, if you, everyone was like, oh, these cameras, you could make a movie with this or a web series with this or a funny sketch video with this and put it on YouTube. So of course... Of course, that's kind of how it works for everyone. But that freedom 
to make something lyrical and loose and in the moment and organic, but boy, it sounds nice, right? It's really the opposite of the work that we're doing now, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, you've got... I'm t- literally talking right, about, be, can I make this seven frames long instead of 22 frames long? Right, right, exactly, exactly. Those are the conversations you're having. And there are 16 other people who have to weigh in and be like, yes or no, you know? Um, and I think, look, the in the case of Mumblecore, it was out of necessity, out of like not having enough money. Mm-hmm. But inadvertently creates a safe space to be creative in the same way that we're describing and lamenting, you know, being able to be on set without all of the other stakeholders. And so I think there's a lesson there in just kind of finding different ways to stand up for yourself and create coves of creativity. Right. You know, like it never occurred to me that I could be like, hey, we're going to set the call. We're going to stagger the call times so that I have an hour with just my TP and then an hour with my production designer as well before we do all of that. And look, sometimes you can't do that. Sometimes location gives you location is like, yeah, well, to be for what was the case with, you know, some of that full transparency. So they set it up to be eight, nine and ten, which, of course, I'm on West Coast time. So for me, that's Mm -hmm. five, six and seven a.m., which means I didn't have to get Mm -hmm. picked up for my hotel at four thirty a.m. And I was like, uh, why does this have to be so early? And my producer's like, well, do you want half an hour with your DP and a half an hour with your production designer? Uh, and your call can be an hour later. And I took it. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I ended up cutting it down to half an hour because I, yeah, I mean, waking up at four yeah. thirty AM, that's, that's pretty rough. Five thirty, Yeah. I, yeah. Which is what you did yeah. basically. I did yeah. get picked up from the hotel at five thirty, but yeah. I was curious, what did she say the difference was between Lady Bird, the $10 million, and Barbie, the $100 million? Because I wonder if there's a huge difference between those two. Yeah, I mean, certainly, it's a little bit of apples and oranges. I think Lady Bird to Nights and Weekends is a better comparison because it's still just about people and locations. Mm -hmm. Whereas Barbie, you have to build a Yeah, the scope is just immense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just from a production design perspective you know mm-hmm. there was no architectural digest youtube video on ladybird right. they didn't use up all the green paint in the world <laughs> to make ladybird yeah. <laughs> yeah um okay yeah well i have i know um we're, we're a little short for an episode so i'm gonna spring a new topic on you <laughs> to get your opinion and if it's not good maybe noah can edit it out but uh i'm working on this other project right now where we're creating these um, OLVs, they call them online videos, which are basically commercials, but they will only run on YouTube and Instagram. So, so mm-hmm. they're, they're not social video. They're not like vertical TikTok videos. They're still 16 by nine mm-hmm. and they'll like they're digital only. They're, they're digital like, only. Like a YouTube pre-roll. Yeah. So YouTube pre-roll or on Facebook, the agency that is writing them up is basically hired by the company that they're making these commercials for to be like their digital agency. So you'd give, give us the kind of crazy YouTube stuff and they have a totally different mm-hmm. agency that is doing their broadcast TV spots. Sure. So yeah, yeah. what's interesting is one of their really big asks of me as a director is how can you make this feel like a YouTube video and not like a broadcast spot? And they have a lot of ideas on this, which like I, I have to say, I don't, quite agree with a lot of them i can either tell you their ideas and see what you think or i can just ask you off the top of your head what you think 
makes the difference between a broadcast spot and like a YouTube video. Mind you, I'll tell you the big caveat here is the YouTube spots also have to be 15 and 30 seconds so that the length Mm -hmm. cannot be the differentiator. Totally. Yeah. So, um, I think this is what you're asking you. Let me know. But, uh, to me, the core difference, the most important difference between something digital and something broadcast is that broadcast is a passive experience. It's on, you're watching the football game and you're just waiting for it to be over. So do you need to hook people in those those first three seconds, five seconds? No, you can let the joke evolve and the punchline land at the end. And then you have the title card where you finally learn what the product's about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if it's digital, if it's uh, social, certainly, if you're scrolling past, right. if it's a YouTube pre-roll and you've got that, you're skip. Just, your mouse is hovering over that skip ad button, um, anything like that where you uh, the viewer, the user can actively decide to stop watching your, your commercial needs to grab their attention and make them aware of the product as soon as possible. Hook them. Right. right. That's interesting. Yeah. Because on TV, they're, they can't skip that. They can leave the room, they can't skip but the they can't do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have control over they leave, whether they leave the room right. or not. So, you know, the, the thing is, is that most of our favorite commercials, the commercial where you're like, oh, this is so funny or so memorable or so heartwarming, all of those spots are broadcast spots and they have a little bit of room to breathe. Mm-hmm. You know, these social spots are just like, you know, Hey, guess what? Social spots. I just, it's like, f- just shoot it.com. It's the place to you where you can do yeah. And then you sort of explain <laughs> it and then just shoot it. You know, like, uh, you just have to cram it down their throats. So you'll be surprised to hear. I totally agree with you, but that was not kind of the, what we were getting as feedback and how to make it YouTube. Um, because I, I agree with what you're and saying. So are they looking, cause that's more of a, of a formal assessment. Is this an aesthetic ask? Are they saying start in a close up, shoot with a handheld phone, that sort of stuff? It's closer to that. I mean, they basically yeah. Yeah. kind of are saying like an SNL digital short is kind of like the North star of like what, a digital spot should look and feel like and mm. they're really pushing for like bad continuity like weird mm-hmm. like like oh. kind of overlit like less making it less cinematic um and uh they have a concern that it it should it needs to feel different than a broadcast spot so if we shoot mm-hmm. it like we usually shoot you know awesome backlighting like kind of moody things like interesting mm-hmm. camera moves smooth dollies alexa sure. 35 master prime lenses it'll feel yeah, yeah, yeah. like a broadcast spot um so what we're breaking down is like far side key versus a ring light front light basically is what we're saying yeah it doesn't even have to be a ring light but like or they're saying like maybe mess up with perspective or edit back and forth like i think tim and eric mm-hmm. they didn't mention tim and eric but i feel like that's like kind of a good reference of just like bizarro editing you know mm-hmm. um, sure. yeah but it's like i feel like in 2023 i mean you know we watch videos on youtube that look better than broadcast commercials like it's not a production value thing anymore 
I, I mean, I think there's a little bit of like, well, can you give me a comp of who you're thinking of who makes videos like this? Because, yeah, the, the era of UGC, user-generated content, is what we used to call that, um, homemade, is gone. Even if users are generating the content, they've got really high-end DSLRs that create incredible images and formats have solidified, mm -hmm. right? So even if you're in your bedroom, a ring light costs you $89.99, probably cheaper, frankly, and you're using it, <laughs> your app on your phone to like make your own teleprompter and, you know, uh, using CapCut or whatever, like all, all of the tools are so accessible that everything is kind of standardized in a way that, um, where they're not making those mistakes anymore. And so like, I would be pretty challenged to find a contemporary example of the sort of production quality that they're talking about with any views at all. The majority of content that people are consuming is, has a level of polish that I think is far and away more um, pristine than what they're talking about. Yeah, especially in narrative. I mean, there's a script and there's characters and there's casting and there's all the things. Um, there's this guy I've, I've endorsed him on the podcast before. His name is Daniel LaBelle. I just looked him up. He's got 26.4 million subscribers. So people probably know him. All his videos are vertical and they're super funny and super good. And they look like they're shot on iPhone and it's, they're like kind of scripted. Like he has an idea, you mm, know, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe it's the difference between YouTube and TikTok, though, right? Like TikTok does intentionally look. Like a green screen looks especially bad. Those keys are really wonky, you know, things like that maybe. Yeah, but so to me, well, so I guess my main difference in thinking between what I think makes a YouTube video YouTube-y and what they think, they think it's a production value. It is like they actually were like, yeah, let's do a bad green screen key of someone popping into the frame. Mm -hmm. I'm like, sure, we can do that. You maybe would see that on a broadcast spot because they reference these things a lot, but you don't actually mm -hmm. see it that much on YouTube nowadays. But to me, it's the writing. Like if you want it to be insane, you have to have right. Yeah. Insane. Someone like yeah. 45 different random things are happening at the top and there's text on the screen and there's this and that. And, but if you write, but then the client sees it and they're like, this is confusing. Let's just have them do this normal thing. Then it's sure. Yeah. To me, like the difference between broadcast and YouTube is the writing and is like how, kind of edgy and crazy and insane you can be um so i don't know i'm curious to if, if our listeners have opinions on like what makes a digital commercial versus a broadcast spot uh, and we'd love to hear from you you can email us at just shoot it pod at gmail.com um but i'll i'll let you know how it goes because we're really doing like this back and forth of like trying to make it look funky and weird but not bad you know because at the end of the day like mm -hmm. we want to shoot mm -hmm. stuff that we're proud of <laughs> intentionally bad also tends to be a turnoff to people so yeah and it's like just hire yeah. the youtuber you know that makes mm -hmm. the bad like you said find the comp you like and call that youtuber and say hey let's make this video Would and you like fifty thousand dollars to yeah. make this and they'll be like yeah it would sure. probably be way cheaper and easier um yeah. anyhow it's a, it's just an interesting thing. Cause I, I kind of feel like this was a topic, a big topic, like 10 years ago, like let's make it YouTube. -y. But then I feel like it's still kind of resurfacing in this new kind of digital versus broadcast spot thing. So thanks for chatting about it. I guess I, I should probably go do some Georgia stuff. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, bef- Georgia? Yeah, it's, she's on my mind. Georgia. But before I go. Yeah, well, do you have a few more moments to endorse with me? Yes. Unpaid endorsements. I already mentioned it, but uh, In-Depth Cine has a new video, How Greta Gerwig Shoots a Film at Three Budget Levels, that I endorse. 14 minutes long, thoughtful, interesting. And what I love about this YouTube channel, and like I said, I've talked about them already, but just to reiterate, the host is thoughtful and experienced and a real working filmmaker. Like, it doesn't feel YouTube-y. It's about high-end films and independent films. There's room in my heart for Potato Jet or whomever as well, (laughs) you know? Like, give me a camera review all day. This is about uh, movie-making, filmmaking. Um, Again, whether that's independent or or studio is fine by me. Yeah, some really thoughtful, cool cool video essays, in-depth cine, and um, specifically that Greta Gerwig episode is great. Awesome. Um, But also they'll break down some, like, frankly, some stuff that, like, was nice to have a refresher on he talks a lot about a lot about lenses like if you're curious about 45 degree versus 360 degree shutter angles pretty pretty cool thoughtful clear explanations depth of field down to the science of it as well it's pretty cool yeah Orin, what you got i'm like looking around my room here like what can i endorse voss water i do not endorse it i'm not into it yeah it's expensive and bad. Um, what uh, what did you watch on the? I watched again? Past Lives, the movie. I I liked it a lot, and I just endorse watching a lot of movies on the plane. So I traveled with the the cinematographer that I'm working with here, and I was like, "Ooh, let's see what movies are playing." And he was like, uh, "I don't watch movies on planes," mm-hmm. and I was, it it's just I don't know. It's just funny people. With kids versus people without kids. Sure. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not I, a competition. I, even before I had kids, I I um I love watching a movie on a plane. Partially because I've decided that I just am not any work worth doing, I'm not gonna do well on a plane. Yes. So just either sleep or watch movies. Like so now I when I sit down, as soon as I am seated, I'm watching a movie. I've already like figured out what one I'm going to watch in the terminal. And I am like well before takeoff, I'm like 15, 20 minutes into a movie before that plane is in the air. Yeah. And it is great. Yeah. The worst is when it's like you have five minutes left for the movie and like your plane is Mm -hmm. landing. You're like, Mm -hmm. I just got to see the end. Mm -hmm. And then that, you know, they come over the loudspeaker and they're just giving you all this needless information, like the weather. And what baggage claim carousel your baggage is on? And you're like, I just want to see the end of this movie. Please. Um, yeah. So past lives is what I saw this time. And man, airplane Wi-Fi is just the worst. Yeah. Again, it's not worth trying to do it. Yeah. Right. Like what were you like while you were working? What I were you trying doing? to finish a treatment? A treatment? Yeah. Ugh. Oh, and it's like, shame you on know, you. with these like it's impossible giant gifts that won't load and Dropbox killing. Yeah. Um, and the, them just kind of like keep resetting the internet. Like, excuse me, do you know how to get on the internet? Anyway, don't, if you're traveling, don't count on getting anything done. You already know that. Dude, we got to get some good unpaid endorsements for our live show. Save, oh, save shit. some good ones. Maybe even bring something in person. Oh no. I challenge you to I find an unpaid endorsement to. that you can give every person in the audience one of. <laughs> 
Maybe it's a snack. Mm. Maybe it's a, a meditation That's technique. That's certainly, <laughs> certainly not going to happen. Okay. Well, we'll see. All right. You'll find out October 25th. That's right. See y'all there. Um, and if you can't make it, let us know. You can cancel your yes. ticket. That's helpful to know. Please too. cancel our ticket. Um, but if you do want to come, uh, we probably should have said this at the beginning. It's live.justshootitpod.com is where you can get the information. Thanks again, Oren. If you have other questions for us, you want to hit us up, you want to tell us um, about how shitty we are from moving the dates, you can always email us at uh, justshootitpod at gmail.com. Uh, we're across all social media at justshootitpod. Um, and I'm at Mr. Matt Enlow across all social media, especially Letterboxd. I'm at O. Kaplan. This episode was edited by Noah Bayshore. Our producer is Tyler Small. And you're listening to music from the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. And we will catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.